Hey friends, welcome back to With a Splash of Jesus. I'm your host, Jordan. We are back for another great conversation. This week, we have Carol Ann. Carol Ann is a lover of all things creative and enjoys painting, playing musical instruments, and writing spoken word poetry. She grew up in Plymouth, Indiana, where her relationship with Jesus was formed and now spends her days working in full-time ministry to be part of bringing heaven to earth. You can usually find her spending her free time playing piano or sitting and enjoying the sunshine out in her hammock. Carol Ann has been a good friend of mine for a few years, and when I look at Carol Ann, I absolutely just think of someone who is completely rooted in their identity in Christ, and I couldn't think of a better person to have on this episode. So I hope you find a lot of good nuggets from this episode. Here's this week's conversation with Carol Ann. All right, friends, we're here with Carol Ann, and I am so excited for you to hear this conversation today. So let's get started. What are you currently reading in the Bible? I am almost done with Genesis. It's been a slow and long process, but I'm almost there. So Genesis, I've been, I'm trying to go through the Old Testament books, but it's been out of order. So this is my like fourth Old Testament book, just now getting back to the beginning, but it's been very good. What is God teaching you in that? He's been teaching me and challenging me to appreciate the details more. So really slowing down reading all of the names, like when we get to different genealogies and stuff, actually reading name by name and just learning to appreciate, like this is in the Bible. So I, I shouldn't just brush over it. Yeah. And I think Genesis is definitely one that people brush over. (laughs) Well, because it's like one of the major Bible stories that we learn about as a kid, you know, in the beginning God created. And most people are just like, oh yeah, I already know that story. But it's like, But do you? Even within that, like there are so many stories in Genesis that I've heard before. And especially growing up, like a lot of our yeah Bible stories come from that as kids. But slowing down and trying to pay attention to the details has really impacted how I view those Bible stories. Like so many of them, I'm like, man, it says this, like that is not how I was taught it. Or like we just brush over so much of that stuff. So I've been really challenged in reading the details and making sure I understand what it's saying and the importance of what it's saying. What is currently on your nightstand? Currently, I've been reading a book called Intimacy with God by Thomas Keating. That was one of my like thrift book finds. I I had just bought a bunch of books on prayer and Thomas Keating, he was a priest and This book is pretty much all about his journey through contemplative prayer and like understanding what contemplative prayer is and kind of finding intimacy with God through that. And as someone who loves prayer, like it's been a really, really good read. So that's kind of my one right now. And I did start, I'm blanking on the name right now, but I started a Kindle one by Lisa Turkhurst that you recommended about like boundaries. Good boundaries and goodbye. Good boundaries and goodbye. I, I did start it. I recommend that book enough. <laughs> I did start it per your recommendation. I got it through the library online and I was like, oh. Isn't it so fun being able to do that? I read all my it's books so either nice. on Kindle or audiobook. It is so nice. I don't have to pay anything. I know. Uh, do you know the amount of money that I used to spend on books? And now I'm like, I'm I still same. spend too much, but <laughs> same. There are some books that I just do want enjoy, a physical copy, but I love if you have it hooked up through your Goodreads account, you can highlight on your Kindle oh, and then it yeah. syncs up with your Goodreads account. And oh. so if you want to go back and reference what you learned, 
I'm learning so much recently about all the different things you can do with online reading and Kindle and like it's hooked up through your library. And so what is something you can't stop talking about? Something I can't stop talking about is actually a song. It's called The Blood. I'm still I've been obsessed with it for months now, I think. But I don't actually remember who wrote it, but I listened to Upper Room's version and it's so good. It's all about how the blood of Jesus is the thing that actually sanctifies us. Like there's lyrics in the bridge that say like, it's not about performance or perfection or striving for attention, but it's about the blood and just comes back to the centrality of Jesus. So good. You and I are very similar in that and that we connect the most through worship. That is where we find our intimacy with God. And so many people like don't understand that. It's crazy. I'm like, how do you not? (laughs) Yes, I know. Worship is life. So please tell us your story about finding your identity in Jesus and what that's looked like for you. Yeah. So my identity with Jesus story goes back to my youth group when I was probably in middle school, middle school, early high school. I had this youth leader who was one of the first people I heard talk about how when we say yes to Jesus, when Jesus has cleansed us, forgiven us, redeemed us, whatever, he now views us as saints. Like we are a saint. And I've always heard the, you know, like I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner. And I'm, and I had that mentality for so long of, no, I'm just a sinner. And my friend who's my youth leader, he was the first person who kind of showed me that just because something is what we've done in the past doesn't mean that has to be our identity today. And so my journey to understanding identity in Christ really started when I realized, no, I'm, I'm somebody who, yes, I mess up and I sin, but in the eyes of God, like he looks through Jesus to see me. And so I'm a, I'm a saint who sins sometimes, but I no longer label myself as a sinner. Like that was a, a huge shift for me in how I started understanding how God views me in my identity in Jesus, because God views us through Jesus. <laughs> like yeah. Jesus was the one who stood in the gap between us and God. And so that's kind of how it started. And since then, you know, I've just tried to pay more attention to what language I'm using when I think about myself. And even when I encourage others and what their identity with Jesus looks like is trying not to label them by their circumstance or their experience, but rather what the Bible would say about them. So let's break that down like a little further. What is an identity and what does it mean to be rooted in Christ in your identity? Like, what does that mean to take that on as your identity? So our identity is who we are at our core. Like it's something that is not changed by environment or situations. It's not even changed by, or it can, (laughs) has the possibility to not be changed by what other people say about you or validation or criticism or things like that, but it's who we are at our core. Like it's the foundational truths that people can't affect. And so if we don't have that, if we don't have that identity, what we believe to be foundational to who we are, if that's not rooted in Christ, then we end up finding it in other things. Like I've been guilty of that. Like I found it in a job title, in a relationship, another person, in what other people say or think about me, or even in what I've thought about myself in the past. Like I found my identity in that or in what culture tells me it should be or who I should be or how I should identify based on how I feel or whatever. And some of those things aren't bad in themselves. Like it's not bad to have 
a fancy job title, but when you lose that, if you lose that and you've placed your identity in it, then you're left asking the question, well, wait, who, who am I? There's a void. Yeah. Yeah, There's a void. And it's because our identity is only supposed to be rooted in Jesus. And so if our identity is actually rooted in Christ, that's the thing that people can't affect. People can't touch. People can't shake. And so that's why it's important for who we are at our core, for what our foundational truths and beliefs about ourselves to be rooted in Jesus. Cause that's the one thing that the world can't take. Yeah, absolutely. Who is the greatest example of someone that you have witnessed that lived like Jesus and you just were like, I want to be like that person? The person that came to mind, I didn't really expect because it's been a while since I've talked to her, but I have this friend, Elizabeth. She was my small group leader when I went through a discipleship program called Youth with a Mission. This was like six or seven years ago now, which tells you the impact that she had and the way that she modeled Jesus because it was so significant. But I can remember so many times over the six months that we were together and we did some other mission stuff a couple of years after that together, which was really sweet. But I can remember so many times where I was struggling with something, whether it was things related to identity or other things that I would go to her and she just exemplified the compassion of Jesus, but also the truth of Jesus in a way that I had never seen somebody do that. Like she was like, it, it felt like Jesus was in the room, like the love of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus was in the room. Those were some of the times that I was like, man, I want to be this for other people. Like, I want to be the kind of person that someone can come to with something hard and they're met with compassion because that's what Jesus did. Like it, it was Jesus when he was filled with compassion that led him to do so many of the miracles he did and like to heal people and all those different things. And so she's one of those people that I think of that I'm like, man, she still has an impact on how I want to exemplify Jesus because she did it so well. Well, I think you're a really compassionate person. And so I think she made a fantastic impact on your life because you are certainly one of those people where I just know like you would just ooze compassion. I try. I try. <laughs> For someone who is struggling in their like to find their identity in Christ, what scripture can you point them to and what encouragement can you give them? Because I feel like along our journey, we have all struggled with finding our identity like in Christ. So what would you tell younger you? (laughs) So the scripture that came to mind was 1 Peter 2, 9, which says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And that verse is just one of the many, many scriptures that talk about our identity in Christ. But I remember when I was another part of my story of finding my identity in Jesus was a good chunk of time where I went through the Bible, specifically some of Paul's writings in the New Testament and highlighted every single word that I could find that was related to our identity. So even things like God so loved the world. Oh, God loved the world. The world includes me. I am loved. Or this scripture, which says you are a chosen people. Oh, I am chosen by God. And I just started to write down every little thing that I could find that spoke to identity. And it was so impactful. And I still have a list like in one of my old journals where I wrote out 
every reference I could find and like what it said. So like in Christ, I am loved in Christ. I'm chosen in Christ. I am holy in Christ. I am whatever. And then the scripture reference next to it so that I can still today, like I can go back if I need a reminder and be reminded of what the Bible says that I am because of what Jesus did. And so doing that has been super helpful. My other encouragement is I was thinking about how we tend to look the most like the people we spend the most time with. And so like I have a close group of friends that we spend so much time together that we even have like mannerisms and quirks and like little phrases and inside jokes and stuff that we say and do all the time. And we can't even tell you who they originated with at this point because like we've just spent so much time together that it's like, no, this is just how we are as a group. And so you become like who you spend the most time with. And I think that's true of our relationship with Jesus. So when we spend more time with Jesus, we start to look more like him. We start to identify more with him. And so when we spend time with him, we learn who he is and he teaches us who we are. And so an encouragement just to take the time to spend with Jesus, to spend reading all these scriptures about what the Bible says we are and our identity in Christ and actually spend time getting to know Jesus because Jesus is who we were made to look like. And I'm a firm believer that what is spoken over you, what you speak over yourself can affect your identity. And so if you're not looking to Jesus for who you are, other people are going to have an influence in that. So if you're not rooted in what Jesus says you are, you're going to have a very skewed idea of what your identity is. It's not great. Same. Yeah. I've been on a journey for a while now of undoing lies that I believed as a child or a young adult. And I actually have it written on my mirror. And so I see it. My husband sees it. Like there was at one point where he was like, "Mm, I don't believe that that statement is necessarily true. Maybe you should word it like this because the way you're wording it might shift your perspective a little bit. And so I think, I think that's huge that you went through the Bible and you said, this is my identity. Scripture says, even if I didn't believe it at the time, like even if there were times when it was like, it's so hard to believe that I, I'm not a sinner. I I am not a, I am a saint. (laughs) I am a saint, not a sinner. Like, even if I didn't believe it, I still would write it down and I would read it and I would meditate on it and I would put it places. Yeah. Like on a mirror or wherever I needed to be reminded of it. And I would read it and I would just choose to believe, okay, this is what God's word says. So I'm going to choose that it's, I'm going to choose to believe that it's real and that God actually means this about me, even if I don't feel it right now. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a huge part in your identity journey is choosing to believe something that you might not believe is true right now. But when you look back six months, like from then, you're going to be like, wow, like I can claim that now. I claim that I am a worthy chosen daughter of the king. But a year and a half ago, I would never have, you know, claimed that. I don't say never, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. On that same topic, words spoken over you have the power to become your identity versus like who God made you to be. In what ways have you seen and experienced this? Yeah. So the thing that always comes to mind is when I was a kid growing up, I have I have five siblings. And amongst my siblings, I was the quote unquote goody two shoes. And so I was always the good kid, like 
very rarely got in trouble. I can remember one time I got spanked and it was for something we like my parents later found out that it wasn't actually me. It was some, it was another sibling. We joke about it now. It's fine. But yeah, like I was the goody two shoes and it wasn't until later in life that I realized how much that led to this perfectionism mentality that I had for so long that I felt like I had to work hard to earn people's love or to please God or to maintain my title as the good kid. And it like, yeah, it kept me out of maybe other bad things, but it also got me into some bad like mental spaces and yeah, like just not so great thought patterns and stuff. So what are some practical ways that you can break this cycle? The thing that comes to mind is the scripture that talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ, which maybe isn't the most practical thing, but it's what I tried to make a habit of doing. So when a thought like, oh, I'm the the goody two shoes, like I'm the good kid, I have to be perfect or whatever. When thoughts like that would come, I would try to be quick to dismiss them and remember the things that the Bible says about me again. I think that's perfect because John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Mm -hmm. but Jesus comes to give you life and life to the fullest. Is that thought that you are unworthy, that you are a sinner, that you are a goody two-shoe, that you have to work hard to be a believer? Those are from the enemy. Yeah. Does that bring life? Like, that's a good question is like, the Lord... Like Jesus came that we may have life and life to the full. And so that thought is not bringing life. Like that's stealing and killing and destroying. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on about running things through a God filter and asking, you know, taking every thought captive and saying, does this align with what God says I am? Or does it align with what the enemy wants me to think that I am? And sometimes it's hard to do that on your own. Like if I'm stuck in this mind space of no, I'm not good enough. Like I haven't worked hard enough. I'm behind in this and that and whatever. I failed in this or whatever. And I'm having a hard time going back to scripture on my, like with myself, then it's okay to find somebody else. Like if you have somebody who's trusted and you know, knows the word, like go to them too. Like if you're having a hard time, yeah, like getting to a place on your own with the Lord where you believe the truth of scripture, share what you're feeling with a friend or a spouse or whoever it is. And often they can help push you towards the truth because they're not feeling what you're feeling. Like their feelings are not blocking the truth, which can happen with us, sadly. I think we talked about it in a previous episode also where, you know, I said, if you want to do something, if you want to be somebody, find someone you can imitate, not just Jesus, but like, I think the example I gave in that episode was like, if you want to be a mom one day, go find a mom that you look up to and watch her mannerisms, watch how she talks to her kids, watch how she talks to her husband. And then you have that as an example of, you know, if you're struggling with your identity, Find someone older or wiser, or I guess they don't have to be older than you, but someone that you say, wow, you can tell that their identity is rooted in Christ and go to them. Ask questions. Hey, can you mentor me? People are way more willing to share what they have than we think they will be. Absolutely. Like I used to be scared to go to people and be like, 
Hey, like I see this in you. I'm trying to grow in that. Like, can we talk? Like, and I used to be so nervous to do that. And now I'm like, why have I not been doing this sooner? I wish I would have started doing that when I was younger. Cause so many people are just so willing to share what they have to share what they've been given from the Lord and what they've learned and grown in. And it can be so beneficial to have somebody like that to walk alongside. When was there a time in your life when you felt most like Jesus? It's a good question. The memory that came to mind was a couple of years ago. And I'm sure I really hope that there have been more times recently that I felt like Jesus. But the most like a more significant moment was a couple of years ago. I had healed from some pretty significant hurt caused by a friend that was really close to me and had already forgiven this friend like months and months before this interaction that I had with her. But the Lord gave us a really sweet opportunity to uh, reconcile with each other. And I still remember sitting there with her and she had apologized for all these things and asked for my forgiveness. And I still just remember all I, all I felt was love. Like the entire time, like this whole, I don't know how long it was, like a six, seven month issue. Like that entire time, all I felt for her was love. And even in that moment, all I felt was love. And when she asked me if I would forgive her, like, I remember just like smiling and I'm like, yeah, like I already did. Like, of course I do. And she was crying and she was like, Caroline, how, how can you still love me? And I was like, it hurt my heart. Cause I was like, cause Jesus does. So I do like, it's that simple. Jesus loves you. So I love you. And that's all I've ever felt for you is love for you. And that was a moment when I felt like I exemplified Jesus and the love of Jesus. And again, the compassion of I was Jesus. Just gonna say that. <laughs> I was going to say again with that compassion, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it goes back to, yeah, if my role as a Christ follower is to imitate him, then that means imitating him even when it hurts and even when people hurt us. Like even Jesus, when he was hanging on a cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Like his mind wasn't on himself and how people had betrayed him and whatever. It was on the people who still needed God. And so, yeah, compassion and love is the thing that the times when I feel like I feel like Jesus. <laughs> the Lord really put this question on my heart and it really tripped me up when I was thinking about it. So I'm really excited to hear your answer yeah. to this. Paul, the apostle is a well-known biblical character who struggled with his identity. Like it's very obvious in the Bible, but he's considered by many scholars to be one of the most influential leaders in the early church. What can we learn from him in this? Yeah, I love this question. Because I love a lot of Paul's writings, mostly because it's maybe not to the extremes of Paul's life, but like he's very easy to relate to. Like a lot of the ways that he messed up and he had this like back and forth, like why I do the things I don't want to do. And I do do the things that I, all that, you know, those things. That was very confusing. If you don't know the scripture, he has what like I call the doo-doo verses where he's like, I do the things I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, I do do. And he's like very back and forth in that. But what I love about a lot of Paul's writings is he got to some place of considering everything else but Jesus like worthless. Like Philippians 3 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Because Paul, he talks about considering everything a loss compared to knowing Christ. He had listed in verses 4 through 6, you can read it, but 
Paul had listed all of these things that he could have boasted about, all of these things, like how he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. He was circumcised on the eighth day and like all of these things that he could have placed his identity and gotten his pride from. But then in verse seven, he says, whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then further down in verse 10, Paul does all of this because in verse 10, he says that I may know him, know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Like Paul was willing to let go of all of the worldly things that he could have identified with, all the worldly accomplishments and titles and achievements. But instead, he said he wanted to identify so closely with Jesus that he would even become like him in his death. That is insane. And I'm challenged by that. Like, am I willing to look so much like Jesus that I would even endure the same things he did, the same persecution, the same hurt? Would I hang on a cross for the sake of Christ and for the sake of imitating People him? Who have sinned against you. Yes. And it's like, would I actually do that? And would I be willing to? Because Paul was. Like, Paul used to be a persecutor of Christians. And then he ended up on the other side of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, just looking at the way that he, he kind of found this like resolve in himself to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. And so that's what he identified with was Christ, even in his suffering. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize too, that Paul struggled. He struggled with knowing who he was in God and God still called him. Like he said, I don't care. I'm going to use you anyway. And so often I think as believers, we're like, oh, I'm not enough of this or I'm not good enough at that. And so we automatically disqualify ourselves. But God says, no, it's not ridiculous that we're the ones that disqualify ourselves. (laughs) Annoying at times, isn't it? (laughs) So to find our identity in Christ is to imitate him. Do you think that kind of going back to that work based that we briefly touched on, do you think we could lose ourselves doing this because we're too focused on being that goody two-shoe, being that perfect Christian who does all the things? Yeah, I think I think we can lose ourselves in anything if we're not focused on the right thing. Like if we if we lose our focus on Jesus in the midst of trying to imitate him, which sounds weird, but it does happen. Like when I am trying to imitate Christ and I have this like list of, oh, I know that Jesus is loving and Jesus is kind and Jesus is compassionate and he did this and he did that. And this is how he interacted with people. And I'm just like trying to do all these things in my day-to-day life, but I lose the real focus, which is obviously Jesus. And it becomes this checklist, like you said, like, yeah, I think that's, that can be a danger. But I think the, the thing to be aware of is, is just checking your heart and being like, why am I really doing this? Am I doing this because I care about people because I actually love them? Or am I still stuck in a performance-based mentality, which is not healthy. But when we keep Jesus as our focus, we kind of lose ourselves for the right reason then. And it helps us stay away from the checklist mentality, but it's the keeping Jesus as our focus and losing ourselves in him. That's another thing Paul talks a lot about is like 
how we, we lose ourselves to find ourselves in Christ. And I love that because it's like, we don't lose our personality. We don't lose our uniqueness, but we lose ourselves to identify so closely with Jesus. Sorry. That was like kind of a tangent, but no, I love it. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know what made me think of it, but when you started saying that and talking about losing yourself, I was reminded of that Toby Max song. It's like really old, but it says, I don't want to find my, or I don't want to find, what does it say? I'm going to go look it up. Is it that I don't want to gain the whole, whole world, world and lose, lose my soul? soul. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <That's good> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we were Toby Mac fans growing up. Yeah. Yes. That was our road trip music. Yes. Uh, and True Dog. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Down with some True Dog. <laughs> what have you done to stay true to yourself while practicing imitating him? That's a good question. So my mind goes to the influence of UBU mentality that is like so prevalent in our culture today. Like UBU, you do what you want to do as long as it makes you happy, whatever, which is not in the Bible. Like as Christians, we're called to die to ourselves daily. And so if that's true, like if staying true to myself actually looks like dying to myself daily, because that's what the Bible says, then I shouldn't look like me. Like staying true to myself while trying to imitate Jesus is really just looking more like him because I'm not supposed to look like me anymore. Like, yes, we still have, like I said before, our personalities and our uniqueness and God-given gifts and abilities that we're supposed to use on earth. But to be a Christian, like the word Christian literally means like little Jesus, like we're supposed to be little Jesuses. And so if I'm a Carol Ann that looks like Carol Ann, I'm doing something wrong. And like, I'm not trying to stay true to the worldly Carol Ann anymore. Like I'm trying to stay true to Jesus because that's who I'm trying to identify and to imitate. And so, yeah, we don't lose our uniqueness and our personalities because God gave that to us. But if we remember at our core, like our identity is who we are at our core. That's the thing that should look more like Jesus. And that's what we're trying to to imitate is who Jesus is at his core. So that was kind of a wraparound answer. No, I think you're Does spot that make on. Sense? Yeah, yeah, I think okay. you're spot on in that. I think it's important to remember God gave us our unique giftings yeah. to honor him. And so if we're not using them to honor him, we're gaining the world. We're not gaining him. So I think that was the perfect answer. I loved it. Peter was an uneducated fisherman when he encountered Jesus and was called to follow him. The Gospels record many instances where Peter wrestles with his identity in Christ, including when he denies Jesus three times. What can we learn from Peter? Man, we can learn a lot. I I love Peter just because it's so relatable, like his relationship with Jesus. But the thing that came to mind first was that getting to a place of firmly understanding and believing the truth of our identity is a journey. Like to really establish that in Jesus is a journey. Even Peter, who walked so closely with Jesus and he had a lot more time than other people to get to know Jesus and get to know him well. Like Peter still struggled to identify himself with Jesus. He denied him three times when he was faced with persecution. But what I love is that Jesus, after his resurrection, he was still so, so gracious with Peter. He still believed in Peter. He reinstated Peter three times. 
which is the same amount of times that Peter denied him. Jesus was like, no, you are, this is who you are. And like spoke his identity into him. And so I think the relationship that they had is a beautiful example of the way Jesus interacts with us when we stray from who he called each of us to be. Like Jesus gently, but firmly reinstates us and reestablishes us in the truth of what our identity is in him. That's kind of what I learned from Peter is that like we learn God's graciousness and how God still does not give up on people, even if they have denied him. And like Jesus still gave Peter a chance to identify with Jesus and then look to see what Peter went on to do and his influence on the early church and all of that. Like that's because Jesus still affirmed who Peter was and didn't let his mistake disqualify him from that. I have goosebumps right now because just thinking about it, like I get this visual in my mind of like, you know, Peter being like, nope, and turning one way and Jesus being like, nope, and like picking him up (laughs) and turning him around. He does that to us too. Yeah. He says, no, you are my chosen child. And I just love that. Do you have any books, resources, anything that have been helpful to you or maybe helpful to our listeners in related to finding your identity in Christ? A book, I mean, it's the Bible, but the book of Ephesians has been one of the most impactful to me. That was where I got a lot of my list of identity labels from the Bible. So I would encourage everybody to just dive into the book of Ephesians and make a list of everything that you can find. If you literally Google like in Christ I am, and then like list or whatever, it will pop up. So many different places have resources on what the Bible says about your identity in Jesus and literally have like PDFs of in Christ I am loved in Christ I am whatever, like all these different statements. And those have been super helpful to me in the past. And so you can literally just Google it and it, like you will find so many different ones that pop up. <laughs> They're not like so sweet. And some of them are like written as a letter, like from the Lord, which can be really sweet to read it in that way. Not just like in your perspective of, oh, in Christ, I am this, but the father saying you, my child are this. And so you can literally Google it and all those things pop up. I love it. And there's also like, if you need a daily reminder, Mm -hmm. you can go and search those things. And there's like different shops, there's Etsy shops or just like regular stores that have bracelets or shirts or other thing, worthy, chosen, beautiful, strong, like all of those things Mm -hmm. on things that you can put on your body. Yeah. (laughs) So you see it and then you see it every moment of that day. I mean, maybe not a t-shirt, but I have a couple of bracelets that say like, I am worthy or like, um, I was just gifted a bracelet set that says like beautiful, strong, worthy, chosen. And like on the days where I'm struggling a little bit, I wear them, yes. <laughs> you know, we all need those reminders. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to say before we close out? I think just to put the work in, like, I, I'm sure Jordan, you can you're an example of this too, but there's so much freedom that we find when we actually put the work in to realize what lies am I believing about myself? How have I let others' words affect me in my identity? And actually seeking this, the truth of scripture. Like there's so much freedom that comes when we recognize the lie and start believing the truth. And so just an encouragement to people, 
if you recognize even right now listening to this, that there's something you've believed about yourself that might not be true and might not be scripture, ask the Lord what the truth is. Go to the Bible, read Ephesians, do all these things that we've talked about because the freedom that you find is so, so sweet and so worth it. And it's God's will for you to be free. I completely agree. Let's dive into our rapid fire questions um, here to wrap up this episode. So what is your go-to coffee order? My go-to coffee order is the same one I've had for probably 10 years. It's an iced coffee with white mocha and half and half from Starbucks specifically. From Starbucks. All right. What is the last thing you watched on TV? Community on Netflix. It's like a comedy kind of... It's. Is it like Parks and Rec or? It's, it's based in like a community college, but like, yeah, kind of like documentary, like it has that kind of feel to it, but it's funny. It's not quite like Parks and Rec or Office Funny in my opinion, but it's still a good, like if you need something lighthearted. Okay. If someone wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? The title would be Rest. Subtitle, Learning to Enjoy Life's Pauses. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) Let's get that book started, ma'am. If our guests want to follow you, where can they find you? Instagram is the best place. CarolAnn.Grace. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, friend. We've loved having you. Yeah, loved being here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Our podcasts are edited by Nick Berkey. If you have a story you want to share, please reach out through the forum on Instagram. I pray that you can take action this week and make a splash. 